For most of us, the thought of travelling to another galaxy probably seems like science fiction. But the truth is, the foundation of humankind's journey beyond Earth's solar system is being laid right now aboard our very own International Space Station. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all humankind. Your hosts here in Guildford, Matthew and George Russell. Oh yeah, baby, Victor Jerome Glover. Who's going? Who's going to the moon? He's going to the moon to steal it. No, he's not going to steal that's it. Ve- that's Vector. <laughs> that's Vector. Yeah, from just yeah, different different guy. Different guy. No, it's his birthday today. He was born on April the thirtieth, nineteen seventy-six. Makes him forty-six. He's quite old, isn't he? Yeah, but he's already done quite a few things, like you know, be an FA eighteen pilot. And gone to the International Space Station aboard SpaceX. Where do you, you said those in that, in that order? Uh, don't know why I said it in that order. But he's also going on Artemis Two, which is like the Apollo Eight version of Artemis. You were moaning, weren't you? That uh, oh god, why can't we just go straight to the moon like we used yeah, to? Yeah, I said it exactly like that. Yeah, well, you kind of did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was I was saying it. It's crazy that you know. It, it's taken this long to get where we where we were like you know 50 years 50 ago. years 55 years but the thing ago. is that's not even when we peaked as well it's like it's like we we had someone on on the surface of the moon and now only now we've gotten to the point where we're not even doing that you know yeah. what i mean yeah, like yeah no okay. we haven't even got to the that bit yet you know well, it just shows how hard it is yeah. and and that was predicted by um uh, Arthur C. Clarke. He mm. did predict that this was going to happen, and that—that's what I find incredible. He's he actually pretty much wrote the script. I mean, let's hope his predictions are accurate because he was pretty optimistic about AI in his short stories, and yeah. that's the—that's the thing that everyone's scared yeah. about. So maybe, yeah. And he was optimistic about space stations, and he was optimistic about finding alien life, perhaps. Uh, anyway, I mean, is that optimistic? Finding alien life? Mm, I suppose so. I guess mm. it's. it's Equally terrifying, whether or not you do yeah, or you yeah, don't. Well, I, I just don't know. I don't. Yeah, I think it's both. Mm. Anyway, George, this is a blast off, a blast off briefing. You know, every now and then I have you on, and we have a, a bob. Little, a bob. <laughs> this is exactly we're bobbing along, um, because there's so much happened recently, mm. and of course the big one that everyone was very excited about was Starship. Did you watch it? I did. Yeah, I yeah, saw good. it. You did see it. Did you watch I mean, it live? Not live, no, no, but but I did see it, and it, it, I mean there wasn't much to see. It, it kind of, it, it, in terms of the length of time, in terms of significance, there is a lot to see. But in terms of you know, it was a very short-lived launch, definitely. Well, in case you've been living under a rock, obviously Starship is SpaceX's fully reusable transportation system designed to carry people to Earth orbit, the Moon, Mars, and beyond. Nice. So not quite Buzz Lightyear's to infinity and beyond, just Mars and beyond. Um, 150 metric tons to uh, orbit. That's not bad, is it? Or 250 in expendable mode. Mm. And right now it's got zero? Yeah, it can do zero. (laughs) 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 Yeah, and, and, uh, you know, there's quite a few things I have to iron out, isn't there, really? There's things like um, in-orbit refueling. Hmm. They've got, actually getting into orbit. Yeah, yeah. They've got the uh, launch pad to a bit above the, but a bit above the ground, 
mm. bit down. They've got yeah. that down. Yeah, they've got that down. So now no, they but... need to do the rest of it. <laughs> but the, the bit that I really liked about the launch was looking up the back of the mm. spacecraft and seeing... Yeah, when the it's like lit... super underexposed and yeah. you can see like which engines are turned off. That is a really cool shot. That is a super cool shot, isn't it? I was not expecting that. It was kind of, That was actually very sci-fi, yeah. I thought. It feels it feels almost like you it feels like you wouldn't be able to get that shot because of just how bright the engines are, mm. you know. But I guess you just turn down the yeah uh, yeah you just down. super underexpose it and you get those <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah, the it's a bit like trying to take a picture of your son with your your mobile phone it doesn't work though because it can't yeah, the entire can't, sky just yeah. white <laughs> it just can't quite <laughs> yeah, get yeah. down the exposure that low um, but yeah they, as we could see from it that that there was a handful of super uh, of the Raptor engines that weren't lit. And they were next to each other, which means it's mm. it's a yeah. sort of maybe a bit of concrete or something from the launch pad that kind of hit it, well, which I think is the, one of the main theories, right? Of why, yeah, because because uh, if you look at the launch pad after the launch, you'll you'll notice that it's, <laughs> it's completely slightly different. <laughs> it's a bit different, yeah, uh, yeah, and it's it's likely that it was just like a chunk of concrete or something hit some of the engines. Yeah, I mean they they did the static fire test and it didn't rip the concrete up. And I think that once once the concrete starts to go, that's when it goes. It just yeah. starts, so you can do it a lot, and then suddenly it will all just start falling apart because a little crack appears, and then the gas gets under the crack, and then it all starts smashing bits of rock everywhere. So yeah, the concrete basically just gave way under the under the force, and and Scott Manley instantly tw- tweeted that he'd warned about that two years ago. <laughs> So, so he instantly knew what was happening, and you actually see big chunks of concrete coming up into mm. the air and splashing into the sea by the side of it. And they must have been traveling like hundreds of miles an hour, bits of concrete, and they're smashing into vehicles and stuff like that. I guess it shows just how inefficient rocket engines are, right? That so much energy is being lost. You have enough to launch a giant chunk of concrete into the ocean. Oh yeah, well yeah, just just with essentially the sound energy coming yeah, yeah. Off, off the off it. Yeah. So much lost energy, but like it's, it's impossible to avoid that loss of energy at the same time. Oh, it's so annoying, isn't it? Just yeah. to get just to get the rocket off the pad for the first few meters just takes so much fuel. And well, that's why there's the Sea Dragon, right? The the yeah. proposed uh, giant super heavy launcher by uh, by NASA that launches out of the sea, yeah, so that, that you don't have any loss from from noise or anything like that. Yeah, that I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if I wonder if SpaceX are even thinking about that. But obviously, uh, Elon Musk did mention that they were already designing a flame trench type thing that was like a big steel plate that's got a water deluge system part of it as well, and and it would should divert the flames and also mm. cool down because of the water's cooling. I, and they're going to try and implement that. I guess yeah. I guess what you can make is just essentially the you have the engine bell. You just build that but bit larger and that's presumably should take to be able to take the heat in the fourth and so on from the engine oh i see what you, yeah i mean i think the real problem is that boca chica's at sea level so you can't really there's not much you can do you can't mm. really dig yeah you can't dig at all at, at, at below it because you, you're straight into the water table aren't you so the, basically no animals were killed apparently there wasn't much harm to the surrounding environment not in much. a kind of <laughs> in kind of animal terms but obviously there were small bushfires there was people miles away that were getting Probably rained down on tiny bits of concrete that, that were sort of, sort of coming down as dust so that was disastrous i would actually say 90 i would say it was a 90 percent success the fact that we actually saw the rocket clear the tower 
which was unbelievably epic. Yeah, I and mean, that's that, that I, just I'm actually incredible. surprised that that's happened that now as well. Yeah, like you would have expected it to have been delayed even further than it has, just based on how, just based on you know the track record of Elon Musk saying things are going to happen at some points, and then. <laughs> They're still 10 years later, not happening. But <laughs> No, but that's a bit unfair. Because, <laughs> I mean, he is... I mean, if you compare this to... If you compared this to the, to the speed that SLS was developed, although SLS worked first time, so that yeah. that, that is a difference. But SLS but, is just like reskinned um, shuttle. Yeah, it does. It is It is a bit of a shuttle re, remix, isn't it? But the... But still, SpaceX have developed this vehicle. I tell you what is incredible is the stainless steel sort of shell of the rocket meant it was incredibly robust. I mean, you had the biggest rocket ever made and it's tumbling around. Mm, flying 90 degrees. It looked like something from Kerbal Space Yeah, program. it was crazy and it didn't break and it yeah. didn't break in half. It was, and, I, I, and it was like bending and stuff yeah. that's still not snapping. It was all, that, that was crazy. And of course, it basically it lost, they reckon it lost hydraulics. A lot of people, a lot of commentators saying lost hydraulics meant you couldn't gimbal anymore. And and because you were saying, of course, that the 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 center of mass and yeah, I was saying this ages wrong. ago. Like uh, that, I like when I first saw the initial things. Like, like I immediately thought that there's the there's fins and like wings and stuff on the top of the rocket, but they're not much on the bottom, which would lead you to assume like the opposite of an arrow, the opposite basically. of what you want. Yeah, yeah. Because if you look at an arrow. The, the center of mass is pushed right at the front and the center of lift is is put way at the back. And the reason they do that is so that it's stable. But if you have the opposite, if you have the center of mass at the at the back of where you want, you, you know, your, your plane... And or you've got 33 ship. Raptor engines the, yeah, yeah. Like hanging off the back. So you have like a huge amount of mass at the, the back and loads of lift at the front. That's inherently unstable, which means in order to keep it straight, you have to have the engines constantly gimbling to counteract that. Yeah, and, and I think they lost gimbling control. They've already got some engines out, but apparently it can it can lose two or three engines and still get to orbit. Mm. But I guess it depends which ones they are. If it if they have sort of more gimbling control engines, yeah, the center it's only the center nine, I think, that can gimbal. Oh, is that right? Yeah, but I mean, it's what what I mean, whatever it 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 looked like it was the concrete smashing into the into the engines but we don't know that and and elon musk tweeted that the en those engines three engines never ignited right from the start in other words the engine test went nah not even gonna try but that mm. might have meant that they were already smashed to bits by concrete but i i, I don't know because i don't know what sort yeah. of order the engines come on i mean i feel like what they need to do is fix the the concrete issue and then see how it goes because it probably is just entirely the fault of concrete smashing yeah, into it initially. I mean, so they would have got tons and tons of other telemetry as well because ultimately it did fly for quite some time yeah, i'd say I, it's I, a I still 100 percent success no i mean i think i think they must have no i think 100 percent success would be getting it into orbit and testing loads of stuff but, but i mean i mean in the sense that uh, like that, that they got it off the launch pad which is more yeah. than anyone in history can say for a rocket that size no that that is true and so but the weird thing, I think Elon Musk said that the, you know, it sort of tilted away from the launch pad. Apparently, that wasn't planned. That had mm. that was to do with the, the the engines that were out. So 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 there must have been like proper gimbling going on to to even control it at that point. But more worrying is the flight termination system. Apparently, didn't work for forty five seconds. So that like they've pressed the button. 
or yeah. maybe it's automatic. I mean, that's that's super like, scary, I guess. Because yeah. if it's going off course unexpectedly <laughs> and like, you oh. can't explode it, <laughs> yeah, it's like you basically just made an intercontinental ballistic missile that can go anywhere in the world. Well, you know? imagine it started heading towards all those people filming it on the beach, like like everyday astronaut, and it's yeah. like heading towards them. It's or like, Russia. Well, well, yeah. Well, <laughs> we'll get on to we'll get on to an international incident in a bit because there's a funny one. Um, so I think the things that we're going to see before the next launch, and apparently Musk says there's going to be four or five more attempts this year, but I think that really is going to be optimistic. Don't you think? <laughs> Hmm. So I, I don't think so. Five things, I guess. I guess Raptor engine reliability must be must be better, but that might be down to concrete isn't <laughs> exposure. It, isn't it already pretty? Aren't those engines already like some of the most? Um, well, yeah, they are. Engines? But I mean, they haven't been flown very often. You know that. You know, and I and I guess if if the outage wasn't caused by concrete explosion, then then three down is is bad news. It just mm. means the whole thing is going to blow up. Um, well, not blow up, but it's it's not good. Um, can it can it not fly with three? No, apparently two that two out is it can because that's been tweeted by Musk. But I don't we don't know what the what the amount of engines you can't have for it to fly properly. What what is the tested um like in a lab? Uh, don't know that they, they, they won't say. So that's the sort of information you don't get. Oh. Obviously, they're going to have to in, uh, they're going to have to get a better launch pad, and that I think they're going to have to be persuading, you know, the launch authorities a lot to say, yeah, we we fixed that problem and we fi- f- fixed the flight termination system problem, and I think that that's going to take surely that's going to take several months. So. And they've got to repair all the propellant farm as well because there was big chunk. I mean, you've seen how dented all the mm. all the buildings nearby are. It's just ins- it is actually insane. But Musk even tweeted, "Oh, the damage at the pad actually wasn't that bad." It's just like well, it looked pretty bad to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you're if if concrete's disintegrating, like yeah. and getting thrown around, I don't, like anything anything with concrete being broken doesn't doesn't sound not that bad to me, you know. And just remember that NASA is relying on this launch system as part of the Artemis program. Yeah. So this has to work, and and you've got that you've got the idea of basically this type of rocket has to land on the moon as well and take off. Obviously, that but they're going to have different engines. Obviously, not going to have the Raptor engines blasting straight on the lunar surface because that would be chaos. Because lunar dust is obviously hmm. pretty chaotic. It would probably like increase the atmosphere of the moon by a measurable amount you know? yeah oh, that's a very good point because didn't did, when the apollo uh you know landers landed uh, i think that the uh atmosphere of the moon increased by like a mul- like a multiple like four times as much you know mm. because the atmosphere was so small to begin with that even the uh, small amount of uh, water vapor that was being released from the engines was enough to like give the moon a slight atmosphere no way well yeah, I mean, obviously they have to be very careful about the type of landing that they do, but but that's that those those artists the artist renderings of Starship landing the the engines are way up the side, but that that's, there's so many things that need developing for for people to land on the moon before we we see someone land on the moon. There is a strategy you can use if you can build a runway on the moon which is perfectly flat relative to the orbit. You can get your orbit extremely low, so that if you put your put kind of like wheels or like skis out, you can use those to slowly break. 
Yeah. So you can actually you can land on a, a an a planet without atmosphere or a moon, just just with just, just with by, wheels. But, but just by reducing your orbit until you land on. Just like yeah, just have wheels that just right. like slowly slow you down. I'd be slightly stressed by that. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, endless, endless, landing. That's well, I've got to say, it was still, I think, SpaceX an, an amazing achievement to do that. That it, I mean, it looked absolutely epic, and it was. Ah, oh, if only it had gone. I mean, if it had gone into orbit, it would have just been one of the most amazing things ever. So, well done, SpaceX. It, it's we're still a long way, I think, from getting people on the moon. But that was a step towards it, at least, as was the SLS launch. So, now I guess, we, you know, we should be... There, there's things... It's going in the right direction. Yeah, it's not going down. It's not... It's not yeah. going backwards. <laughs> it's not a submarine. No. Now, of course, one of my favouritest things that's ever happened to me in my entire life is going to Damstadt to be the host of the European Space Agency um, launch of JUICE. Yeah, it was pretty epic. It was absolutely epic, and I utterly enjoyed myself. It was so stressful, the acquisition of Signal bit. <laughs> it was mm. I, I, That was genuinely one of those things where I think actually everyone there was, was a bit terrified. And when Bruno finally got the message, the, the deputy flight director, you could see he was almost in tears. He was genuinely like... He, he could barely contain his emotions. But... That that launch apparently the Ariane five, its penultimate launch, one of the very last things it ever does. It actually delivered it so accurately that one of the engine burns that they had to do to correct the orbit that they had planned, they didn't need to do it. It was that accurate. So that that whole day was went perfectly. Basically, it was a mm. picture perfect launch. However. In the in in the intervening inter intervening two weeks, um, there has been some problems. So they've they've got a sixteen meter long antenna, which is part of a radar instrument called RIME, R I M E, the radar for icy moons exploration, and they're having problems actually getting it out. It's stuck, and they reckon it's just a tiny little pin. Oof. Like a one of those explosive bolts, or no? I think it's like a pin that's supposed to just fall out, and it's it's obviously just got slightly wedged. I mean, you know how irritating it is when you're taking packaging apart, and they just it only takes something to be slightly snagging, and you mm. can't quite do it. Well, I think they think it's millimeters of like a little pin is just stuck in, so they can spin it around. Perhaps the en the engineers that I saw at, at Damstadt, in fact, are going to be the people that are going to be trying to sort of wobble the spacecraft, maybe roll it and things like that, and maybe they'll be able, this pin will drop out. Yeah, I guess there's some interesting physics sims you can do there where, like, you try and, um, yeah, like, work out a manoeuvre that the ship can do mm. so that it flings that out the, the whatever, you know, whatever yeah, pin. Yeah, so I guess, so that they've got a few options to get this thing out, but Rhyme really is a really important instrument. It's one of the most important on there. Uh, you know, because it's the it's the thing that that looks at the structure of the ice, so mm. that's one of the things that they're most interested about. So, rhyme. In fact, one of the one of the interesting discussions I had with Rosario, who was a as a scientist, one of the science experts on this mission, she was sort of saying, really, a lot of it is to do with not just individual instruments, but how the instruments interact with one another. So you can get an awful lot of information from one, but actually, you get like if you've got say 10 bits of information from one and 10 from another 
you actually get more than 20 bits of information when you combine the data. You, you know, you get a, a, a bigger bang mm. for your buck. So, uh, so an instrument not working is actually a really big deal because it impacts all the other instruments and how effective they are as well. So this isn't the first time this sort of thing's happened either. The, um, the Galileo spacecraft, which is very similar to this, except it went um, to uh, uh, Jupiter in 1989, was built by NASA. That spacecraft um, had a very similar thing, and so what it, it, it had a really terrible data rate because they couldn't use that high-gain antenna. They had to use the low-gain antenna instead. But, you know, so it's a similar sort of problem. Uh, but yeah, Juice was absolutely amazing. I've got some. I've got some other little tidbits that I learnt on uh, from people. Go on then. Go on then. Do you want to? Do you want to hear it? So, one thing that that if you listen to the, to the two podcasts that Jamie and I did, and we we also if uh, if if uh, uh, you're on the six that, that did that, yeah. We, the, 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 <laughs> if you join the other six people that did that, and also listen to the one where I speak to Olivia Vitas who I met, and it was awfully lovely guy. Um, yeah, he he basically, we were chatting about, um, I said the one bit I didn't understand is when, when the spacecraft gets in orbit around Ganymede, why can't you just leave it just going in orbit around Ganymede? And of course, it's to do with um, perpetations of orbits. So Jupiter's so massive, it would just you it, like to rem, to keep a sort of stable orbit around one of the moons is, is impossible because you just get pushed mm. and pulled, and therefore, like without fuel, you you'll crash pretty quickly. But he 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 sort of mentioned that there Is might there no stable orbits. What? Well, he, well, he said they might, when they get there, there might be something that they can do about it and get into a stable orbit. Because I imagine what an orbit around a moon of Jupiter would look like is just like a really weird, like, pear shape. Well, maybe, yeah, maybe. So so he did, he, he did sort of hint that maybe there was a possibility of actually extending the life when they get there and working out, like, some crazy orbit. But it will take some mathematical genius to do it. But um, one chat of the GPT. other a chat GPT five is there, <laughs> is there an orbit? <laughs> so um, yeah, so but one of the other interesting things because this sort of came up as a sort of to and fro with Frederick the Airbus guy, who who had you know one of the designers of the actual and builders of the spacecraft itself, and it was you know you know you know why does it have to crash and then he was explaining the, the orbits and then olivia goes well yeah but maybe we can do something about that so there's a little bit of to and fro in to and fro there but one of the really interesting ones was planetary protection so it's already not you're not allowed to crash a a, a you're not allowed to crash a spacecraft onto europa right so they could they didn't go into orbit around europa they went into orbit around ganymede because you currently can crash your spacecraft into Ganymede because I don't think there's much chance of life on Ganymede, whereas there might be on Europa. But that, during the eight-year journey to get there, that might change. So they might not be able to do the orbit of Ganymede if, if for some reason someone says, no, no, you can't do that. And then they're going to have to work out how they dispose of the spacecraft safely so that it doesn't end up crashing into Europa or Ganymede or or one of the or one of the, or a body with planetary protection on it, right? Pretty interesting. Huh? Yeah, so, and you and you can't crash into Europa be, because it has liquid water on it, which yeah, suggests more... that there might be life, and you don't want to, you know, disrupt a kind of ecosystem 
in, under the ice. Yeah, but they might. It. But they might say that about Ganymede. By the time they get there, they might. You know, there might be bits of information. I mean, where isn't they go, Ganymede oh. just like an iron blob? No, 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 no. It's got. A, it's got. It's got more liquid water on it than Earth. Really? Yeah. So why is he rules inconsistent? Well, because it's because to get to it, you'd have to go through miles and miles and miles of ice. Ah, right. So it's Ganymede's like a super Europa. Yeah, basically. And it's got a much older surface, whereas whereas Europa's got a very new and uh, and continually replenishing surface. Hence, it's very very bright. And and Ganymede is very is quite dark compared because it's got it's got an older more sort of gnarl, gnarly surface. <laughs> but yeah, so um, yeah, so that was the things that I learned about juice while I was out there. But hopefully. They'll get this rhyme antenna out with a bit of jiggery pokery. Mm-hmm. They've got a few more weeks of commissioning, and commissioning is where they get they test out all the instruments to make sure they're working oh. and calibrate them, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And then oh, the crazy thing is, it's still orbiting Earth. Like in six years' time, it will still be orbiting Earth. And just before, waiting for like um, well, no, to a window. Get, well, no, it's not about windows. Getting its speed up, so it it does this. It goes. It goes off to Venus first for a flyby to pick up some speed. Ah, so it does leave the solar. It does leave Earth's. Yeah, and then it comes system. back and does an Earth-Moon gravita- gravitational assist, which is, which is the first of its kind. They've never done that before. Mm-hmm. Then it does an Earth gravitational assist. Then it does another one, and then it goes out to Jupiter. Uh, so it, it it's using a lot of gravity assist, and it and it's only because of the launch window that it's going in towards venus and venus is bigger than mars so it gives it a bigger kick but it could have been mars that they used as one of the gravitational assists depending on like the the alignment of the planets at any one time so these things are like really super cool gravity assists are a lot like when you use seven more trains than you can in a journey just to save like one pound (laughs) yeah it is a bit it is a bit like that it's like right i'm going to go to yeah i'm going to go to wimbledon via (laughs) via new overground the victoria line just to avoid going into zone one yeah i hear you um yeah so there's been a few other lunar things this 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 week and that is back in december on the 11th of december to be precise 2022 um, there was a, a, a launch of a Falcon 9 rocket carrying Hakuto R. I don't know whether you how, how would you pronounce that Hakuto? But yeah, like, like I mean, I don't, I'm not Japanese, so I, oh come on, <laughs> like it's, yeah, it'll probably be Hakuto or something like that. Yeah, Hakuto R. Okay, Hakuto. Well, we're just going with it, you know. Hakuto. Yeah, I mean Hakuto. Uh, I don't off, know. Yeah. <laughs> off, <laughs> off radio, you're always uh, uh, correcting my Japanese pronunciations. So I you know, just wondered if you, you, know, you might want to. But I, what, are you sure you, I'm not correcting your <laughs> Korean pronunciations? Well, yeah, both. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it would have been, iSpace would have been the first private company to make a soft landing on the moon, which they were attempting this week. And what would happen is as it got to near the moon, it would do a, a, a it's taken five months to get to the moon fuel-efficient trajectory and all that. And just above, 100 kilometres above the lunar surface, it does a sort of um, landing attempt by doing a braking manoeuvre using the main engine. Uh, And then it went for a soft landing. Uh, But on April the 25th, as it was about to land, all communication was lost. And what do you think that means? (laughs) Failure. Failure. It means it's likely that it crashed 
and that's why the communication stopped. But if it crashed slightly earlier than they thought, it's probably because it's descending pretty quick. And so they actually think that it's probably it ran out of propellant. It lost propellant some for some reason uh, during the final staging of landing and therefore led to a rapid descent and a rapid unplanned disassemblement on the surface of the moon. So unlucky, iSpace. That's, that, that, that's another one chalked up for the moon. There's Bereshit from the Israelis, and now iSpace's Akuto R, which has failed. But Akuto R was also carrying the uh, United Arab Emirates lunar mission rover called um, Rashid, the Rashid lunar lander. Uh, that, uh, yeah, that was supposed to land with it. Of course, that's, that's been lost as well, because that was a payload within the Hakuto. It's a bit, bit sad, I guess. Yeah, so it's it's all part of this NASA's Commercial Lunar Payload Services Program, or CLPS, or CLPS. Uh, and yeah, so that's getting loads of companies to be part of this, you know, be essentially be part of Artemis, but think of all the things, you know, support vehicles and support services for the Artemis mission. You might, you know, you might be sending, they might be sending a rover to look at the landing sites of of some of these uh, Artemis missions later on or where they're going to build the lunar base and all those kind of things. Maybe looking for water. Yeah, I mean, that's always a that's always a thing that gets misrepresented in headlines. Hmm. Which means it must be exignous, you know, <laughs> must be important, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, no, it is. I mean, the water thing yeah, is, yeah, pretty, it is. But it's pretty, pretty big. But it definitely doesn't warrant the, you know, those clickbait, oh, NASA no. have found life on another planet. No, no, obviously the clickbait <laughs> thing is, I've noticed that everyone does clickbait now, even even people that I like. Yeah, you won't believe. You won't believe, believe who, who else is doing, who else is doing <laughs> No, it's true. It's like it's 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 so annoying as well when like you have tutorials that say how to do X in twenty minutes, but what they really mean is how to do X. The the information of doing that will be delivered in twenty. Like the video is twenty minutes, but the actual act of doing the thing is is like two hours or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh God. It's Never like, mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the time it, yeah it's all the time it's it's a it's a bugbear it's a bugbear um yeah so uh, you know earlier on i said there was an international rocket incident guess what the swedes did nuke they didn't they, <laughs> russia they accidentally <laughs> nuked russia no they, they launched a rocket from esro which is the es sorry es how do you range. pronounce that dad es range How'd... i i i'm sure that's that's how it's Pronounce Es Range Space I, I, Center. I, doubt, I highly doubt it's pronounced Es Range. Es Range. Es Or Es Maybe it's that. Es Range. Es Space Center in northern Sweden. <laughs> and that was carrying out experiments uh, in zero gravity. It, it went 250 kilometers. That's, you know, space station-y kind of height. Well, a little bit less. But, you know substantially into space as a suborbital rocket. Uh, but then when it came back down, it landed in Norway. At this point, you're supposed to say, no way. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, but no, no, nobody was hurt. However, it does seem 
really weird that Norway found out about the incident because they read about it in <laughs> in 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 a newspaper. That is quite funny. Uh, and they were very angry about it. Um, and so, yeah, Norway kicked up a bit of a fuss and said, yeah, this, this, this really isn't on. Commenced uh, World War Three with yeah, Norway. We, yeah, with, with Nor- Norway went to war with Norway went to war with Sweden. That's hard to say. Norway went to war with Sweden. It is hard to say. I almost <laughs> slipped up on it myself. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so but uh, yeah, that's that's bad. And of course, is a runge is where they want to do orbital launches with large rockets. So uh, soon, so. It, it kind of isn't good for them to do that because it's like well, I mean, a, a I, big I doubt, I doubt orbital rocket is a lot more dangerous than a suborbital rocket. Yeah, but I doubt, I right. doubt it's the launch pad itself which is cursed. It's more, it's probably more a failure of the rocket. No, no but the but the communications was obviously pretty poor. Uh, you know, as in the 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 Swedes should have gone. Uh, we've had a bit of a problem. Uh, we've accidentally hit you. Um, yes, but. Yeah, Norway were pretty annoyed by the whole incident. Apparently, I guess you know failure is the the road to success, or what's the, what's the what's the saying? Failure is a step to fa- failure is the first step to success. Yeah, probably. So but, it's something like that. Yeah, but but that it, you know it just means that in the future they'll probably have put more stuff more, in place to not more to make in, sure that doesn't happen. Yeah, yeah, but it doesn't look good. You would have thought by no. now they would have had that sort of stuff in place. Yeah. Well, anyway. Anyway, uh, last but not least, we've got uh, old Dicky Pickles. Yeah. After the loss, of course, of Virgin Orbital, which, which I'm sorry, Virgin Orbital, which is pretty pretty poor show. A lot of people have been moaning that that maybe the British government should have shown a little bit more interest and helped old Dicky Pickles out and and gone. No, we can't let this go down the hill. Let's let's mm. let's get let's give you some money and you get launching out of out of new key all the time. Looks like that didn't no one cared and poor old Dicky Pickles had to shut down Virgin Orbit. But Virgin Galactic is still going and operations have commenced again with VSS Unity did a glide test in New Mexico on Wednesday. Uh which means that they're gonna get because Richard Branson went up with a few employees back in July 2021 um, to an altitude of 85 kilometers. And that was, I, that looked like he was going to be starting like commercial operations, but th- obviously they decided they had to make loads of changes to the spacecraft to increase the flight rate and reliability mm. of it. So that, so it's been out of action really for two years while they did that. And now they're testing it again. Um, Virgin Galactica are losing. But didn't they have celebrities and things going to space? Or? Yeah, well, they have done on the. See, Jeff. See, Virgin Galactic kind of beat um, Jeff Bezos, but then Jeff Bezos seems to have done it a few more times than Virgin Galactic. So yeah, people like Shatner and all that lot, but went up with Jeff Bezos's um, rocket mm. rather than Dicky Pickles' space plane. The thing is, is it going to space? This is what this is what I don't really get. Like. 
if it's not going to orbit and it's still in the atmosphere, is it like? Well, no, because they 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 both. I mean, they both really get out of the kind of thickness of the atmosphere. Particularly the Jeff Bezos one does go over the Kármán line. Um, but, Virgin but Galactic goes over where NASA consider it space. In so, in other words, you get your space wings. Yeah, but 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 yeah, I mean, but there's there's another definition of of space though, which is the height at which a full orbit can be made without any fuel. Yeah, but I think yeah that I believe that the Virgin Galactic plane would be at that height. I think it's lower than the Kármán line that height. Ah, but yeah, would have to. I'd have to relook that up. But for for most people, they agree that Virgin Galactic goes into space, and and I guess you see the blackness of space above you. You see the curvature yeah. of the Earth. Ultimately, as a tourist, you can do that at night as well, though. <laughs> at any height <laughs> no it still doesn't quite look the same but the but I, I think you know any tourist going on a space plane yeah, you know, yeah. they're, they're going to brag that they've been into space on, on Virgin Galactic you know and it uh, but I agree that it should go if, if only it went a little bit higher so you can say you know I definitely went into space but again yeah. though Neil Armstrong was doing this like 60 years ago in an X-15. Yeah, it's like, can you, if you can reach it in a plane? <laughs> yeah. It's like, well, is well, it, it really? Yeah, but it... it yeah, X-15, I guess X-15 pushes the definition of a plane, but still, you know, it just, yeah. it just feels like, it, it, if unless you're going in a rocket, surely it's not space. Oh, I don't know. I think, I, I do like space planes. I'm, I've got a soft spot for safe No, they are, planes. they are a cool idea in the sense that, it's fully reused, like the you know Skylon and whatever, and mm. all of these things. Well, to be fair, Jeff Bezos's rocket, suborbital rocket, is fully reusable. You know, it's, yeah, uh, yeah. But apart from the fuel, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that would. I mean, that would be a miracle if you could reuse mm. the fuel. If you could break the th laws of thermodynamics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah. So it looks like. It's impossible for, for, for Dickie Pickles to make this profitable unless he designs actually a different spacecraft. So what because they can only fly this once a month, and therefore you're never gonna make he's never gonna make his money back. So he's designing a new Delta class spaceship, which means he can fly it every week, and then he can get to rough proper profitability with four hundred missions a year. Four hundred missions a year. I mean, that's a lot, isn't it? Is there really that amount of people willing to spend X amount of money to go into maybe not space? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's. I don't know. He's still he's still persevering with that one. He's not persevering. I mean, commercial space flight. It's cool, but it feels like it will just be a thing that's like only a really select few people will be able to do it. Like it feels like something that should there should be a way of of sending people to you know that 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 amount of like almost space but yeah. for any for really anyone like it should just be a you know like it feels like something that if they made the plane bigger and they i don't know it just feels like something that logistically could be something that's a lot cheaper and more accessible no yeah because, I, well, but but there isn't there there isn't anything um you know more accessible and cheaper that's it is there really any effort to make? Like, is there any um, companies or, or or stuff that are planning and making you know a hundred seat space rockets that aren't necessarily fully re like just like the cheapest option? You know, you can get to get you into space for like a thousand pounds or something. Well, not a hundred seat. The closest to that is Starship. Mm. 
Well, but so no, I but suppose... that can go to orbit though, which is way more delta v. I'm just talking like single stage. You just go to the almost orbit that height, you know. With a hundred people, maybe not hundred people, but you, you may, but you may as well send fifty into orbit. I, I don't know. I think Elon Musk's system is the best, isn't it? Basically, that like sending people up in a Dragon capsule on on a Falcon Nine. That's it. That's all you need to do. He's basically kicking. He's kicking ass because he can send people up on those. He can send people to the International Space Station. He's potentially in the next few years going to be able to send people around the moon. What happens if you take the top stage of the of Elon Musk's uh, space, you know, uh, starship. The, the starship itself? And you, it, apparently, you, it can just about get into space with no payload on its own. So, ah, so in that case, could that not be commercial? Well, give it give it a sort of mini booster underneath. Well, could, I, not you, necessarily. Like, just get it to like almost to orbit kind of level. Well, yeah, I suppose. I mean, I suppose they could just stick windows in that and, and go. There you go. Well, maybe that will happen. I, I, I think I do think, essentially, these rocket reports, these blast-off briefings, really, it's just going to be the Elon Musk show in about three or four mm. years' time when when all there is is SpaceX and which, and, which is a kind of a monop- monopoly in some ways. Which well, I mean, yeah, which but, leads, but, leads you to think that maybe there should be some, you know, competitors in the industry that aren't just like well, trash. I, you know, where the competitors are going to probably come from is China because they're planning on building a. a Starship-style spacecraft. Uh, as in the companies there? Yeah, as in... X-Space. Well, they're, yeah, they're, they are called things like X-Space and things like that. But, they, <laughs> but they, you know, they're, they're sort of private companies. But as we know in China, there's, there isn't really such a thing as a private company. But 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 no, things like the Long March, the, the sort of ones built mm. by the Chinese space agencies, the, the Long March series, Long March 9, apparently. Does it count as not a monopoly if the government are the competitors? I don't know. It's, it feels uh, a bit... It does feel a bit dodgy, doesn't it? The whole thing. Well, yeah, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. And actually, I think it's it's what's, what is crazy is that Elon Musk is becoming so important when, when it comes to rocketry and America's and, well, the world's ambition to get back to the moon. It, it all revolves around SpaceX and one crazy man who we know is insane. <laughs> we, mm. we know he's a complete lunatic. Um, I mean, not just a lunatic for like, you know... He's next level. He's <laughs> next level craziness. But he's also a genius. You know, at the end of the day, SpaceX is, it is exactly what he intended it to be. And it's kicking ass. The proof's in the pudding, you know. I mean, maybe that. genius is pay to win, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> right. Anyway, I'm going to say goodbye to the Spodcats. Same. Same. No, actually, I'm not. I'm going I'm to stay with them for a bit, you know. Oh, okay. I'm going to say bye. <laughs> bye, bye, Spodcats. Okay, goodbye, guys. Thank <laughs> you.